You're listening to The Climate Show with Zoe McLennan and Simon Banderob. Today, we're going to talk about bees. We were taught to fear them as children, but that mentality has got to change, and fast. In recent years, the population decline of honeybees that occurs over winter has nearly doubled the sustainable amount. And without bees, our lives would be very, very different. Let me tell you about a few foods that would disappear if all the bees disappeared tomorrow. Almonds, apples, avocados, berries, beets, peppers, and the list goes on and on. So, what are we going to do about it? Uh, it's best not to stand oh, near the oh, entrance, okay. because that's, that's their flight path. You know, that, they, that makes perfect sense. They get defensive. That's Yao Sasportas, member of Apiguru Montreal, a center for all urban beekeeping needs, and vice president of the Canadian Apitherapy Association, telling our very own Simon Bamdrelop to step away from the hive. Wow. It's a frame of honey. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. And it's so, so, it's so densely packed. Yeah, they cap know? it with a white uh, uh, wax. Is that beeswax? Yes. Okay. It's, this is the best quality beeswax you can get. It's, they use this layer for mm-hmm. cosmetic grade. Oh, okay. And the bees tend to store their honey upward on the top of the hive okay. and the brood downward. The reason why they put the honey upward is in the winter. Mm-hmm. Simon caught up with Yalv to learn about the benefits of urban beekeeping. Like the vision of our enterprise, Appyguru, mm-hmm. what we do is we make custom beekeeping um, mm-hmm. operations, you could say. Because every environment, every, uh, commu- every area mm-hmm. offers a different set of challenges. And, t- and, and, and the, bee- the, the, the commercial beekeeping industry only offers one type. Mm-hmm. Like, they put the beekeeper in a box, you know, like this is the hive that you have. Mm-hmm. This is, it's the commercial hive. You have to be standard, mm-hmm. but that standard hive might work for a certain area and not another. Mm-hmm. And so same thing with the bees. Italian bees might work better in a warmer climate, comparable to Italy, sure. subtropical, right? But in Canada where we have long, harsh winters, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I rather work with a dark colored bee, which are more northern stock, okay. than the yellow Italian bees. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh. So, like, for example, Russians uh-huh. do amazingly over winter. You don't need to feed them, or if you feed them, it's not as much. Um, they're very uh, smart with their resources. Mm-hmm. If there's a drought, they shut down. Mm-hmm. The queen stops laying eggs, you know? Very intelligent mm-hmm. with conserving their resources. While Italians, if there's a drought... The queen will continue to lay, you know, and you have to feed them because they'll consume all their honey stores. Mm. So that's the tricky thing. And I think climate change um, is, is destroying these standards. The, standard, the standardized uh, beekeeping that you're supposed to do worldwide mm-hmm. is falling apart because it's not working on a large scale anymore. Okay. You know, and uh, what we do a lot is we... we um, we, we mess around with dimensions a lot. Okay. Um, what kind of dimensions? What do you like mean? the dimensions of the actual hive. Cause oh, in, okay. Because the modern beehive is, is a lot bigger than what bees in nature would use. Mm, that's true. Because, you know, if you look at a modern beehive, it's, re- it's a rectangular box, mm-hmm. you know? Show me a tree that's rectangular, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's, 
the opposite of what bees would like in nature, you know? So we're, what we use a lot, we're starting to use a lot more of is square hives, which are closer to a sphere. Okay. Square is closer to a circle than a rectangle. I, that's, true. that's true. And and uh, and also the dimensions. So in an area like the city where food sources are weak, uh, you know, you can't rely on big honey production. You don't want uh, a big hive that will allow the queen to lay eggs like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the larvae will consume the nectar because the bees um, will store honey. Mm-hmm. But if the queen is laying a lot of, of bees, mm-hmm. a lot of those bees will consume because they need to be fed as well. That's true. So using smaller dimensions will reduce the honey consumption of the hive itself. Mm-hmm. So we're, so each area will require a different dimension, basically. Like in a city, I would say the smallest dimension because honey yields aren't big. But in an area where there's a big honey flow, I would say use a bigger box. Mm-hmm. Okay. So very customized to um, to the conditions you're working with. So, so this goes back to what you were saying earlier about, um, about, 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 about monoculture and how, uh, I guess, your, your, your approach is, I don't know, polyculture? I don't know what the, what the opposite of... of permaculture. Permaculture, sure. Okay, so, so, so the monoculture is a huge problem. Like you, right. you go to Alberta, let's say, sure. where they have huge monoculture... Uh, fields and you in Quebec you don't see this as much. Okay. Although it is, and we're ta- is talking about about like like row crops, not like monocultures and beekeeping. Yes. Or what are you row talking? crops? Okay. Row crops. So like the monocultures in Alberta, like you'll see uh-huh. the pollen that they sell in the supermarkets uh-huh. are all the same color. Mm. Like if you look at pollen, pollen is a signature of the flower. Mm. You know, if you're in an, if you go to your supermarket and you buy pollen and it's all yellow. You're getting one, it's like eating spaghetti for, <laughs> like, but. for months, you know? Mm. But And uh, you were pointing out how the pollen on, on your bees is, is multicolored. Yes, yeah. Mm. But the cities tend to have a lot of diversity as well. That makes sense. Because, you know, they've actually done a lot of studies on that cities are very diverse in their flower sources because, you know, you have all these gardens mm-hmm. and people have a favorite flower. Sure. So you have a lot of favorite flowers. So you have a lot of diversity. Mm. You know? But... You also have um, people who spray pesticides on their lawns. Mm-hmm. You know, you have those kinds of people that want, you know, very short grass, you know. And um, there's a lot more development, condominium developments that's reducing foraging area. Mm. And then you mix that in with a growing urban beekeeping movement, you know. Mm-hmm. Of people that are, they buy their jars with their hive. You know what I mean? They want to... Their goal is to harvest honey. Mm. They buy their hive and then they're disappointed. There's no honey. I have to feed them on top of it. Mm. You know, and it's you have a growing number of beekeepers. I'm not sure that Montreal can continue to to. Because there's only so much pollen in this city. There's only so much, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, like, t- tell me more about what it's what it's like to to raise um, like to to, ra- to raise bees in Montreal. Like, I saw on um, on the on the Apple Girl we- website, you were uh, you were, like there's a little YouTube video, and you talk. I think you talk talk about like some some legal difficulties that you ran into at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I like could you yes, talk about that. Uh, and, well, the legal yeah. difficulties were were specific to the city of TMR. Okay. Where we keep bees. Mm. Um, the city of TMR, it was illegal to keep bees. 
-hmm. and a group of high school students made a project on colony collapse disorder, which okay. is uh, the bee decline and everything. Right. And uh, they lobbied the, the, the municipality to change the laws to make urban beekeeping legal. Mm -hmm. And we ended up putting hives in the city. Mm -hmm. So that was a big moment for, for that area. Um, but uh, beekeeping in the city is nice. I would say it's, it's a lot more, it's a, it's a lot about people. You know, like when you're, when you're doing beekeeping in the in, in rural areas mm -hmm. in the country, you're 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 very isolated. You mm -hmm. know, you're only working with other beekeepers or people who really understand. In the city, you're working with people who've never seen a bee before. So you you're or have never worked with honeybees before. So mm -hmm. it's like you're you're not just working with the bees. You're working with people and and making people comfortable with bees mm -hmm. and educating people. And I find that a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I spent a few summers working in the U.S. and in abroad. And, uh, and it's, working in the city is, is amazing. But there's limits. And eventually we'll have to go off island. You know. Hmm. But uh, for now the plan is to keep a small operation, hmm. high quality bees in the city has it been is it, is it has it been difficult to to reach out to, to members of the public because i i don't know i imagine for for people who who aren't very comfortable around bees who maybe the only way that they relate to bees is being stung by them mm -hmm. i imagine it must be it must be difficult to to say hey we have a we have a colony next door i hope you don't mind yeah i mean what's interesting is like because i i don't really reach out to the public um apart from selling honey to the public. Okay. So I'll get some of those questions. But most of my interaction comes with people who want, who come to me, mm. you know, uh, stating their intentions to start beekeeping. Mm -hmm. You know, so I love working with people that are in their first year, that they're, they, they're just in the state of awe. They mm. just, they just want to work with bees and, and, I, and I'm there to help them. But, uh, you know, it's funny because, like, sometimes, like, people, you know, um, they get a beehive kit from me. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they're like, okay, so I get my queen, I put her in the box, and then the bees come. But that's not how it works, you know. But people think mm -hmm. that they just buy a queen, leave it in the box, and, and bees will come. You know, mm -hmm. and I have to tell them, no, you have to actually buy uh, the bees themselves. Mm -hmm. You can't just buy a queen. The queen can't survive on her own. But I heard recently from another beekeeper uh, that that someone actually did start a hive that way. He didn't really? know he didn't know that it's not supposed to work that way. But he put <laughs> bee, a queen in the box, uh -huh. and uh, a swarm moved in. Just a queenless a queenless swarm just moved in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it had a queen, but the swarm had a queen. But then the two queens fought. Sometimes you could have multiple queens in a hive. Really? Yes. That's actually something that I do a lot of. Uh, multiple queen systems. Oh, okay. Especially speaking about climate change and resilience, mm. it's a bit risky to put the future of a colony in the hands of one queen. Okay. When you can have multiple queens working, and if one fails, the other one picks up the slack. It's, it's a more resilient system. Okay. How... I, I've always I've always thought that that 
like two two queens in the same hive were were incompatible, but that's uh, a myth. That's not true. Right? It's not true. Uh, many times you'll find more than one queen in a hive. Wow. People don't know that. They, but if you shape, if you uh, if you really, you know, sort look through all the bees in your hive, you could find multiple queens hmm. more often than you'd think. Um, but uh, it's still a, a rare technique. You know, a lot of people won't do that because it requires other ma maintenance. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. But queens will fight in certain situations, but there's exceptions to that rule. Uh, if they're both laying queens, they won't fight. If it's a queen and a virgin, you know, they're in different stages of development, mm -hmm. then they'll fight. Okay. In, in, doing, in doing research on, on bees, like one of the first things, of course, you come across is... Uh, 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 colony collapse syndrome, and uh, is that I is that something that is that's related to to climate change, or is climate change accelerating it, or are those things related at all? Well, colony collapse disorder is it's controversial because it depends how you look at it. Mm. You know, um, some people say like the bees are dying and we don't know why. Mm. So in that sense, you can say climate change. Or you can, or if you, you or if you go in the, in the other way and you say the bees are dying because of things that we know about, mm -hmm. like pesticides. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that are proven to kill bees that we're using, you know. Like the um, uh, neonicotinoids. Neonicotinoids, uh, you know, a lot of other things that we're doing that's harming the bees, mm -hmm. you know, um, that have nothing to do with climate change. Okay, but the the colony collapse argument is that it's multiple stressors mm. that are causing the disappearance of bees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those bees that that are disappearing, uh, is the is that is that all bees or is this particularly the commercial bees or uh, wild? Populations? We know more about the commercial bees mm. because there's more there's more money involved. Right. There's more, you know, honeybees make honey, so we're interested in keeping them alive but there's thousands of other bee species in Canada, native mm. bee species, that in some cases are better pollinators than honeybees. Mm, really? Yes. Honeybees are not the best pollinators. There's, well, it depends which crop. You know, some bees are, have a, 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 a co-evolution with a certain plant, and they're going to be the best at pollinating that plant. Mm. But uh, we don't know that much about the other bees. Um, but interest is starting to pick up, and we're starting to do a lot more research on it. But in the whole, in the, the bigger scheme of things, mm -hmm. um, honeybees consume 90%, over 90% of research mm -hmm. is on honeybees. And 10% is on the wild ones, mm -hmm. which are 2,000 plus species. Right, right. So it's and that's, that's, that's where all of the, 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 the genetic diversity is, and that's... Yeah. Where the, where the better pollinators are. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. And we know that those other bees are disappearing. There's already... Uh, we just don't know how badly. Like, there's there's groups of people that are... Uh, first of all, there's there's something called bumblebee watch, mm -hmm. which is like bird watchers, but for bumblebees. So, oh, if you see a bumblebee, you take a picture, mm. you post it on their app, and you put a pin on the location, mm. and it creates a map. Most of the time, you'll find a bumblebee that's already been spotted... Many many times, but there's there's uh, 
bumblebees that are um, that are, are thought to be extinct, and mm. there's people that are looking for them. Really? So there's there's documentaries on on those searches. Um, I know I know it's really hard to you know to make predictions and, and speculate about the future, but uh, at least at least as far as these 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 big monocultural beekeeping operations are are, are concerned, um, that are really being affected by um, you know these different uh, factors of of, of colony uh, collapse. I do do you think there might be a future where they don't. Uh, exist anymore or exist? No, in I'm not form? worried about honeybees you don't, as much. <laughs> you don't really care about them? <laughs> no, I'm not worried about it. I right. think honeybees are always going to, I think they're going to survive because oh, okay. I'm, I'm optimistic about this because mm. first of all, you have over the last few years thousands of, of urban beekeepers right. and hobby beekeepers that are coming onto the scene mm -hmm. that are keeping bees in different ways. So there's a diversity of technique okay. which is important. You know, when you have uh, commercial beekeepers that all do the same way, you're going to get the same result. Um, so we have diversity of technique, mm -hmm. diversity of locations. You know, um, we have um, so th and 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 a lot of these hobby beekeepers are not primarily concerned with honey crop. Okay, they're concerned with keeping their bees alive. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. That's the goal. Honey is an added bonus, but the the, the 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 victory is when your bees make it out in spring. That's the best feeling. So, why do you keep bees? I feel at peace when I work with them. I, it's hmm. it's meditative. I I understand them. I like working with them. Hmm. I I like seeing their development. It's yeah. pleasure. Yeah, they're a pleasure. It's like. It's. I don't feel like I'm working. That's. It's the best thing. That's beautiful. Yeah, and also you know like. You get used to the venom, and you start to like the venom. Really? Yes. So so when you get you get stung, it doesn't. No. Doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother me. Uh, some of them are painful, but overall <laughs> it gives me uh, it gives me a very good feeling. Yeah. Really. Yeah. A lot of beekeepers report this, and actually. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a, a movement in Canada now uh -huh. about um, apitherapy, which is the, the I was gonna ask you about which that. is which is using bees uh, for for medicine, and I think that that's really uh, that's really the future of bees. You know, because a lot if you view honey as a, as a condiment, like ketchup and mm -hmm. mustard, then you really fall into a certain category. When you when you see honey as a medicine, you're giving bees a higher value. Hmm. And I think that we're not just going to lose their pollination services if they do disappear in larger numbers. Um, we're going to lose their healing powers. Hmm. You know, they're, they're, the bees are here to save us, <laughs> and we're trying to save them. <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm really interested in in in, in, this, in apitherapy. Like I saw I saw it on your website, and I never never yeah. heard of it before. So, uh, well, talk talk more about that. Well, it's common knowledge that honey has healing properties. All right. Um, you know, for the throat, um, for the skin, for the hair, 
for the stomach, mm -hmm. very good for ulcers, uh, even the eyes. Mm. <clears throat> um, but there's ten, there's nine other bee products that can be used to heal. Okay. That are more exotic. People don't. They're not easily harvestable. Mm. Uh, people don't know about them, but you know. Each bee product, what's amazing about uh, the beehive is each, um, each bee product heals another part of the human body. Right. So the, the venom is good for the heart. The, the, the royal jelly is good for reproduction mm. and youth. Um, the propolis. What's the, what's the propolis? Propolis is a resin okay. that the bees use to, to, um, to disinfect their hive. Hmm. And it's actually one of the most potent uh, products in the hive. It's the bees collect it from buds mm -hmm. of trees, and the buds are like the baby of the tree. So mm -hmm. the tree channels all these antioxidants to pr and protective substances to these buds, mm -hmm. and the bees collect those substances and bring it back to the hive. So if you eat that, it has amazing p properties. Uh, yeah. They, uh, it's specifically good for. Um, the lungs. What does it do for the lungs? Um, you can look in, into it more, but um, it's it fights bronchitis. It has a lot of things in it. Yeah. Um, but the thing about propolis is that it's a resin, so most times it's eaten. But now they make uh, vaporizers. So you can vaporize the propolis, oh. and people with asthma, people with uh, other breathing conditions, huh. like reported amazing results with it. Wow! Yeah, um, you have the you have bee bread or pollen. So bee bread is pollen that's fermented. Okay. okay. And fermented pollen is much better than regular pollen. So the pollen that you buy in stores okay. um, isn't uh, available. You can eat it, but you're not going to digest a lot of it because there's an eggshell around it. If okay. you look under a microscope, you'll see that there's an eggshell around the pollen. Okay. See, I was I was just going to ask that. I've I've have never gone to the grocery store and well, I've never looked for pollen yes. at the grocery store. You Wait. have to look for it. Okay. Yeah. But it's um, bee bread is basically the eggshell is is burnt off. Okay. So all the the vitamins and minerals are all available, and it's. Uh, bee bread is the perfect food because it has all the 28 minerals that your body naturally has oh. and um, it has a lot of protein it's used in weight loss programs okay and in Eastern Europe um, where, where bee venom therapy is really ancient um, they have clinics they have hospitals you can go in and get treatments and and, and treatment is you, you go there to get deliberately you, you stung get by bees you get stung yes but but oh getting stung God. is one of the things, one of the components. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and actually, um, why I think bee venom therapy is gonna is gonna really grow uh -huh. in the next couple of years is you're looking at the explosion of Lyme disease, and okay. and and there's a a component in bee venom called melitin, mm -hmm. which um, which which destroys um, uh, the Lyme bacteria. Wow. Like I have a friend, uh, he has uh, his bee co his uh, honey company is called mm -hmm. Miel MTL, mm -hmm. 
and uh, he has uh, he had Lyme has Lyme disease, and when he started beekeeping, his con- he really got a lot of relief. Like, doesn't take the meds like different person. So I've mm. seen it. That's why I like I'm I'm just as skeptical. You know that mm-hmm. it's quack medicine or it whatever. It does. It does. It sounds incredible. Yes. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just really curious that you said that after you've been, you know, after you've been, you've been stung for a while, it feels, it feels good. Yeah. Like, what is it? Is it like, is it like a tingle or like what? No, the actual sting will still hurt. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get used to the pain and you start to like it, but, um, the, I don't know, like the other day I got stung like six times Mm -hmm. from this hive and I was just here and I was laughing. Oh yeah. Well, you just feel it's like so a euphoria buildup. I can't explain it. Yeah. That's extraordinary. That's uh, yeah. you know that's that's very counterproductive for the for the bees. I guess. Oh yeah. But, uh. but I really believe that I see the beehive as a like I don't see bees and humans in confrontation. No. I think that not. it's a symbiotic relationship. Like bees and humans have been working together, mm-hmm. kind of like humans and dogs. You know, we've been and humans and horses. Like mm-hmm. we. With those animals, we have such a strong relationship, mm-hmm. but bees have been with humans for a long time. Mm. We brought them, whenever we've gone distant voyages, when we came to North America, we brought honeybees. Mm. And I think that when I work with bees, I get the sense that they know that I'm there to help them. It's strange. Mm. And so in... It's, so it sounds like you're you're very optimistic about about bees. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you know that's uh, you know that's really good to hear. I mean, whenever you know whenever I I see see bees in the news, it's never you know it's 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 seldom anything good. It's challenging. But, uh, it's definitely challenging, but uh, but there's so much support out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not from the government or from you know from mainstream institutions, but just on a grassroots level <laughs> just on a on a main the, from the mainstream where there's so much support mm. you know like just in Montreal like the amount of people that have called me and said like I have my Sundays off I would like to spend them helping you keep your bees mm. you know wow. and a, a lot of the times um, you know they're really helpful like th- those were really crucial times that they stepped in to help mm. you know and it's from the grassroots level. There's a lot of support. Okay. So, you, so you keep uh, you keep more colonies than, than yeah, that one. Yeah, right? yeah. That one's just a hive to have my coffee with in the morning. Oh, okay. I love to wake up and have <laughs> just watch the bees. So that's it for another episode of The Climate Show. For all information concerning Apiguru, visit apiguru.ca. The Climate Show airs 8.30 to 9 on the Monday morning afters at CKUT 90.3 FM. This episode was produced by myself, Zoe McLennan, and Simon Banderob. The Climate Show is a CKUT co-presentation. Climate change isn't over, but our show is. See you next week.